All this trip on me, I feel amazing Tell me you're so special, it's the occasion And I pop champagne like it's a celebration All across the nation Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shirtless Plantain Show, along with On The Whistle. Um, as you know, this is the AFCON edition. Every pod we put out during the AFCON will be in collaboration with On The Whistle. You can see my fantastic host, well, co-host um, for this is uh, Alistair Howarth. Say hello, Alistair. <laughs> Man, it's good. It's good. Good to see you. Apologies. Apologies for all the random noise in the background. We're current currently outside the the Stad Lauren Poku in, in San yeah. Pedro, trying to bring you guys the, the the best we can we can get. But looking forward to to another round of fantastic fantastic matches at the Afcon. Yeah, um, a lot has happened since since uh, last recording on Sunday. Um, I suppose the best place to start. Um, I promise I'm not wearing green because I'm Nigerian. Even though I have a lot of green, it's I suppose it's just. It's a clean hoodie. <laughs> but um, I guess, guess the best place to start for us is Nigeria versus Equ Equatorial Guinea. Um, you wasn't surprised at this. You called a draw um, from the yeah. outset. Um, I'm personally still disappointed at the fact that Victor Osman missed so many guilt edge chances. But Nigeria probably didn't deserve, didn't deserve that win, I don't think. So... Yeah, it was. I'll, yeah, I'll be honest. It, it didn't massively surprise me. It is like for me, this is this is Nigeria summed up. Like yeah. you have Victor Ozyman, brilliant player. Obviously, he gets his goal. He missed a couple of chances, but it, you know, there's just so many problems in terms of like progressing the ball. I think Alexi Wobi had a really, really bad game. Yeah. Kind of, he's meant to be that guy for progressing the ball. But again, Equatorial Guinea, man, they don't they don't mess about. I was I was lucky enough yesterday to be at the hotel and interview both Emilio Nsue and Jesus Wano. Yeah. Owner is the one who, who made the saves against Aussie men, and and yeah, I mean, like it was funny because they were speaking. I was like, "What's your secret? How are you guys beating you know beating teams like Algeria, getting draws with Nigeria?" And they're like, "Look, man, teams like Nigeria, they're just full of stars, but they're not a team." Yeah. and like it sums it up. They, you know, they, it's, they struggled. It's been that way for such a long time. Too long, man. Too yeah. long. You could you could literally throw that statement over any Nigeria team. In the last 20 years, I want to say at least right. like a bunch of guys that play in Europe, play Champions League football year in, year out. But when it comes to the national team, they have no idea what they're doing, basically, for the most part, for the quality that they have. It's, it's, it's quite disappointing. But um, yeah, you know, I generally think everybody cannot be mad at that draw. Um, but if anybody's going to beat themselves up, it will be awesome. And my one thing is that I suppose I'm a bit disappointed with is his body language after he misses chances. It's always so like, it's not someone, it's not of someone that is the current African player of the year. You know, you shouldn't be, you know, you should just always think of the next one I'll score, next one I'll score. So that's something for him to think about. But um, the next fixture after that, since Sunday was Egypt, Mozambique. Now, <laughs> madness <laughs> i'm just gonna let you wrap on this one because i i can't find the words for it honestly like <laughs> let me let me not lie at the beginning of the game right egypt looked amazing played brilliant football blah 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 the fans there was like maybe three quarters full like just kind of a lot of ivorians there to have a good time a lot of egyptians and you know like maybe like 100 mozambicans by the end of the game all you could hear 
Mozambique. Mozambique. The whole stadium. They'd yeah. all become Mozambique fans. Yeah, I mean, like, Egypt, you look, Egypt the last few years, the last kind of four or five years under, you know, they've had two coaches in, in uh, Hector Cooper and, and Carlos Quiroz, who both, they don't play football. They, their object is to is to turn it into a brawl, to turn it in, into violence, and it, and it worked. The last yeah. half, let me not lie, Egypt Egypt made it all the way to the final. Yeah. We're hoping for more under Rui Vitoria, and and we kind of got it at first. We saw Salah in this kind of number ten position. Yeah. He was playing well the first twenty minutes. Uh, you know they looked really good, but then man, Mozambique just came back into it. They, and you know Mozambique played some brilliant football. Their their, their guy who got man of the match, Gima Gimaraes, he yeah. was. Fantastic, like yeah. controlling this midfield with you know the likes of, of, of Al Neni, and it's just remarkable. And this is the, the crazy thing is Mozambique were missing the best player, Jenny Katamo, who yeah. you know is a winger who plays for, for Sporting, but he he was suspended for the match for getting too many yellow cards in qualifying, which first of all is it shouldn't ever carry over, it should not carry over, it's no. absolutely ridiculous. But then, yeah, man, and then Salah gets the goal at the end, like for me, is a for me, it was a penalty, but it was, uh, it was heartbreaking. Like, yeah. I wish VR didn't exist just just so that goal could have got it. Not, not, not. Honestly but... speaking, I was just, I was just, I was just thinking it would be great if they missed. But then, as an Arsenal fan, I'm thinking, no, he actually needs to stay in the top, top tournament. For yeah, long. you you <laughs> need to keep him in it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys could, you guys can stay for a little bit longer. But I think he even tried to miss because he hit the he hit the post there, man. That's yeah, he um, close. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I suppose on to the next game then was uh. I want to say this to last, but let's just do it anyway. Ghana versus... <laughs> we'll spend the rest of the time talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Ghana versus Cape Verde, right? <laughs> um, Ghana are such a, are, are such a... are such in a weird space. They're such a young team, right? And they look like it as well. That's what I will say. But I, on the first half showing, I was just thinking, well... This is this this side looks really good, you know, in terms of the chance creation, just the just the, the like the territory that they gained and how confident they looked. But it didn't look like they ever had a cutting edge. Nah, man. They, let me let me not lie. Ghana is the closest national team I can think of to a banter club. Like <laughs> it's it's just chaos. There's no organization. There's nope. no. It's not a team. It's just a group of individuals. You know. We, we were confused a little bit about some of the selections, like seeing Koningsdorfer playing and yeah. players like that, and it just showed. But, uh, bro, for me, Cape Verde were fantastic. I, I spoke to their centre-back, Tico Lopez, before the tournament, mm -hmm. and he told me, because in 2021, Cape Verde played, a, like, three back, back five, yeah. you know, were defensively solid, really boring to watch, scored off set pieces, like, you know, where, where you know, what you'd expect from, like, a small team. Yeah. And then when I spoke to him ahead of the tournament, he's like, bro, we've completely changed the way we play. We're playing 4-3-3. We're exciting. Like, we're an attacking team. And I didn't believe him. And it looked that way. Like, That's exactly how, bro, let me not lie. Cape Verde is the closest thing I've seen live to Jogo Benito. They brought it into the 21st <laughs> century. Giovanni Cabral, uh, yeah. Bebe, I counted five nutmegs in that game. They were, there was a bro, nutmeg that Bebe get, um, got off, right, where he's just rolled it through the guy's leg on the touchline. Yes. And it was just... It was so disrespectful, man. Like, I don't know how Dennis Adoy will even be able to play another match nah. after that game because he was used and abused. <laughs> I, will, I will, I will say, I will say this though. In terms of the way Kate Verde set up, I don't think Ghana ever got to grips with the fact that Bebe and Cabral kept on switching positions. Like they just couldn't ever pick up the the, um, the marker there. And you look at the goals that Ghana conceded. Got, like they generally weren't really anywhere near them most of the time. No, nope. and yeah, that is, yeah, 
It's that right side, that right side. Yeah. Even with Jiko being man of the match, they just got hammered, hammered, yeah. hammered. Jiko was by far, to me at least, the best player on the pitch. Yeah. But collectively, Definitely. like, Ghana can't, can't, can't have any complaints about losing that game. I think I think Cape Verde were more than value for the, for the win. Yeah. Um, the, one, the one thing I would add about Ghana as well is quite interesting. Yeah. Is I went to the post-match press conference afterwards. Yeah. I've never been in such a hostile environment. Every, like every single question, Chris Hewton comes in. Every single question, the first guy, guy takes the microphone. Excuse me, Mr. Hewton. We thought, coming from the Premier League, that you would be a good coach. Why have you failed us? Like it was just that all of that. Like someone didn't even ask a question. They just said, Coach, this was a terrible game. That's it. Like that was the question. Like they just poor. I felt so bad for him. Like just constant. It was so toxic. Like wow. and even even when when the media officer pulled him away, because like he's like, you know, we gotta we gotta pull the cut this short. This is terrible. Like all of them were like so some guys were standing up like yelling, like come back, come back. Like they're yeah, they're fuming. I've never been in such a hostile environment. Like I heard like, I heard somebody somebody tried to try to attack him as well. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, so it was it was like a, a verbal assault. So what okay. happened is there, there was a Ghanaian fan who just like came up and started screaming at him. Okay. And then and then so like security guards kind of got in the way in case something happened. But like okay. yeah, that that was blown out of proportion. I think I don't. There was never any kind of. Okay, like, fair enough. Actually, actually fair enough. Um, I guess he really loves his country. <laughs> yeah, that's putting it nicely. <laughs> um, the derby. Of this of the of this particular match day was Senegal versus Gambia, but the derby's always and she always, I suppose, give give off the idea that the two teams are quite close to each other. But there's there's no there's no competition between Senegal and Gambia at all. Um, very very routine win. Arguably, I'd say they're probably second favorite, well joint favorites potentially. Um, so yeah, they're just. <laughs> I think they ran them over. To be honest, um, they never stood yeah, a chance. I will say though, I think going forward, there could be. Do you reckon there potentially there could be um, any more um, Senegalese players that were missing that will probably come in for the next round? Um, I don't know. I think I think they'll be really really happy with that with that win with the with the players who are playing. I think that's the thing about the Senegalese team is like they have a lot of depth, but they the players who've come in have been absolutely brilliant. Like Lamine Kamara is like, you know, he's he's been sensational for the last few years. I mean, obviously he's not super well known because he's only playing at Mets, but in the last two years, he won the AFCON U20 being the player of the uh, tournament, won the Chan, which is essentially like the closest thing to an under 23s tournament. It's Mm -hmm. kind of the AFCON, but only for locally based players. He was that calf young player of the tournament. Like players like him are like, they're, they're set for, for they're set like there's no way i think it you know Pape master star might come back in and i think that would be great but it would, it would be alongside kamara and i think they the good thing for senegal is because because gambia got that early red card because the, the win was so routine they were able to make subs so like so many, bring yeah. on players so you know if, and for me the biggest the biggest plus player wise was Ilimin and jaye because Bro, I've seen that guy live in the championship. I support Blackburn. I went yeah. to Sheffield United. They beat us 3-0. He destroyed us. He was so yeah. good. One of the, like, sensational. But then he's not really ever done it for Senegal. He's always struggled when he's put on that, that shirt. But he got a brilliant assist for the third goal. Like, he looked good. For me, yeah, like Senegal, man, they, they did not mess about. They looked, they looked good. Them and Cote d'Ivoire are just, yeah, for me, Senegal are, you know, coming into this tournament, I had them as my slightest favorites. And, I've, yeah, there's nothing that would change my mind with that. They're, they look so good. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got really nothing to add to that there other than um, 
in day, I mean, like he's one of the, I suppose, the younger players there. But there's another younger, young, youngish player that I suppose that came on was um, Nicholas Jackson. Obviously, everyone knows from from at Chelsea. Do you really think he's probably not going to get a starting a starting place in the team? I think it's unlikely. Yeah. Like, I think for him, obviously, like he's a bit of a, a figure banter at Chelsea and stuff. Mm. But he's he's clearly a good player, and I think he's going to be the future Senegal number nine. Yeah. But he, he only really recently joined up with the team. He hasn't been with them for a no. long time. And whereas Habib Diallo is like, in my opinion, not, not, not nearly as good as Jackson. But no. the key for Senegal for the last like six, seven years, they've, they've always had a problem at center forward. And the key is always who can get the best out of Mane. And I yeah. think at the moment, Diallo is the one who can. So I think in the future, definitely, I think that that front three is probably going to be like Njaye, Ismail Asar, and, and, and Nicholas Jackson. Yeah. But for now, I think, unless Jackson kind of turns it on when he comes on, I thought he looked good when he came off the bench, to be fair. I think he had a really good game. But I don't, I don't think he's going to start, to be honest. I, I don't think he will. Fair enough. Um, I suppose then the next game after that uh, was Cameroon. And I just want to say, first of all, um, <laughs> <laughs> any sort of claims of of corruption in, in the AFCON, right? That's not the game you'd ever want to watch to, I suppose, dispel those myths because the goal that Cameroon conceded. <laughs> oh my days, that was so bad. I don't know, <laughs> oh, I don't know so how, how else to describe it other than potential match match fixing. I'm not saying obviously, oh. obviously but I mean, if somebody said, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I say there's match fixing in the Premier League every week, you know what I mean? But it was just so bad. I don't even know where to start with that. It was a comedy of errors. That goal has set Afcon back ten years, man. Like in terms <laughs> of reputation, like oh my goodness, it was so bad. It was, it was, it was so bad. bad. It was. But um, what I, what I will say about the game though is, it was great being there because you got a sense of like there were so many Guinean fans, and I know Afcon generally has an issue with like getting fans in, and it's you know it's the reality of. You know, playing and playing football on a continent that's you know four, five, six, seven times the size of Europe, because yeah. it's hard to get fans traveling. But this is one of the things I love about this tournament is because Cote d'Ivoire neighbors so many other teams mm -hmm. that are playing. You know, Mali, Burkina Faso, Ghana, etc. But it was the Guineans, bro. Like the noise was they brought real. it. They brought it, and it was a shame they got that red card because I think man, they deserve to win. Like mm -hmm. Cameroon, they, it's the most Cameroon thing ever. Like deserve to lose, playing against ten men, still find a way not to win. Yeah. yeah. Classic, classic camera room, man. I'm not gonna lie, they frustrate me. Um, it can be started, right? Um, in my mind, I always assume that obviously it'll be the big man, you know, the record goal scorer for them and stuff like that. Does he come back into the team? Yeah, definitely. With with Abu Bakar, it was more just an injury thing. Yeah. Like he came came into the tournament. I think he only just started training before the game. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine I would have initially imagined that. Patoko Kambi would, would move back out onto the right. Into, yeah. uh, but actually, Magri, who scored the goal, I think he was definitely the best player. So maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Akambi doesn't doesn't even get back into the team. But yeah, that's the thing is with Cameroon is they're they're just as much chaotic, just as chaotic as Cam as uh, as Ghana. They they don't have a very good team. It's all a mess. But the the kind of Abu Bakr, his, his profile and the character—he's—he's just he's, he's a huge—he's a huge presence. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, in in these makes... tournaments, those are the things that can carry you all the way through. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah, I'm with yeah. it. Um, another underperforming, traditionally big team, Algeria. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I'm of the opinion, right? If you score an amazing goal and it's marginally offside, you got to give, give it the goal. Just, just give, give it, man. Goal. 
just give that goal. Oh my goodness. What Bunajar did, yeah, I, I saw it happening, but when it went in, I was just like, this is just insane. I kept on saying, oh my God, for like five minutes. Yes. <laughs> Unreal. It was such a good goal. And like, oh, it's such a shame. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Goals like that should never. Just out of don't, respect. Don't, don't disallow them. Just, just let it, just let them be. Um, his first goal, well, his actual goal wasn't even wasn't bad as well. And that was a problem for Angola. They kept on Algeria are a very technical side that can pass the ball around, but every time they found Joy, just kept on playing it over their press, literally yeah. dropping it in behind the centre backs and making yeah. them face their own goal. And everybody that's played football knows that you don't really want your centre backs running back towards their own goal because runners from midfield are going to run in and you can't see them, kind of thing. But um. The goal itself, he took, he took really well. But Algeria rode their luck in this game, as far as I'm concerned. They really, they really rode, rode their luck. And Angola, if there's two, if there's a team that probably should feel aggrieved and not winning, it's probably Angola, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was like, honestly, I've loved this tournament because the smallest teams have all all shown up in such big ways. And I thought Algeria again, similar to Egypt, I thought at the beginning they looked great. They looked so good when they took the lead. They looked excellent. They, they you know, really, really good. But then, yeah, as the game progressed, they just struggled, struggled, struggled so much more. And yeah, like you said, Angola definitely deserved to like at least get the draw. They probably more. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, Algeria again. It's I can't believe that they're struggling like that. But it's it's credit to the small teams. And and I think that's the thing is, we see it at the Afcon. It's never about the superstars. It's never about the big players. It's always about the system. It's always about what teams kind of show up to play and what teams can actually have a game plan. And and some of these big teams, man, they just don't feel like they've got much of a game plan and, and Algeria traditionally the last few years they're still a great team yeah. but that's where they really struggle against against smaller teams like you know even in qualifying they drew nil nil at home against Tanzania uh, and get like it's results like that where you just you know we saw it the last half kind of against Equatorial Guinea against Sierra Leone they, they just they really really struggle to break down kind of low blocks and really really defensive sides yeah and, and it's not like they don't have the tools because it, I mean they, they brought on um, Hussam Oua they brought on Islan Slimani as well like They've had, they've got good players starting. They've got good, good players off the bench. It's always I always say you know like I said in the last pod, Afcon is a great equalizer. Like you just you no matter how well you prep for it, you just don't know what 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 you're gonna get out of your team. Like you just you, you just never know. So, so yeah. Um. So I suppose on to the next game now, which was give me a second. Sorry. So um, many games. Man. <laughs> so yeah, there many was, to get there. there was. <laughs> Burkina Faso versus um, much, 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 help me with the pronunciation because I always like get Mauritania, Mauritania, I think in English. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is it indeed. So Burkina Faso obviously um, are, are, are on three points. They, they got their win. Do you see looking at their looking at their group in general? Obviously, they put themselves in a, in a great position. Do you see do you see them coming out of their group as well then? Yeah, I think so. Oh, man, it's such a shame that game. Just it's just like the Angola game. I think Martini were so good, like yeah. defensively. They, I think for me, Martini is one of the most interesting teams um, because like Martini is a wild country. Like it's literally just a desert. Like it's yeah. one of the least populated countries, like per kind of square miles yeah. of, of anywhere in the world. I think in Africa only. I think only Namibia and, and Algeria more. Maybe not even Algeria. But they've also. I think this is the first time in history where they've got a coach who's a fellow African coach from a smaller country so their coach amir abju is yeah. he's born in france but he's comorian he's the guy who took the comores knocked out ghana last tournament took yeah. them to that amazing game against cameroon and then he got the move over to mauritania first to coach coach one of their clubs Modibu, and then now to take on the national team 
And so for me, I was really hoping they'd do well because I think it's just yeah. an awesome story. Like a guy, a brother coming from such a small country as Comoros is being able to coach at, at a higher level. But for Burkina Faso, like I just every every single AFCON, I'm like, these guys are dark horses. They have a good team. They have, you know, Bertrand Traore, Dango Watara. Got a really, really solid midfield of like Blati Toure and uh, Gustavo Sangari is going to come back for the next game. But yeah, they didn't impress me. I'm not going to lie. It, it was not a... It was not a convincing win, very much not, even considering the kind of last-minute penalty. All right, and then I believe it's the penultimate game of, before we get to the, I suppose, the the games that are today, that are on today, but we have um, Tunisia versus Namibia. Now, when we talk about upsets in this tournament, this is this is exactly what we mean, and this is what we're, this is what we're here for. Um, Tunisia beat Nigeria in the last in the last World Cup, um, not World Cup, sorry, um, Afcon kind of thing, um, and everybody would ex- would be expecting at, at least uh, a comfortable Tunisia win, if not just like, them scraping it, and it wasn't the case. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Bro, let, Namibia has never won a match at the Afcon. This is their first ever win, and yeah. you know, and Tunisia, look. They're not in a great place, but they were at the World Cup. They're one of the most successful teams in, in the tournament's history. They're, it is unreal. And the Namib- again, like like Angola, Namibia deserved it. Namibia mm. looks so good. I think, again, the w- one thing that I love about this AFCON is we're seeing a lot of really, really good coaches. I think that the caliber of coaching is really, really high. And, mm. and what I love also is the, the coaches, more th- more so than any other tournament, they're coming from the home countries. Yep. So we're not seeing, you know, we, we, we say... Uh, often we say in, in African football, we have a lot of like European carpenters and plumbers come out and, 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 and become coaches in Africa because we get kind of the leftovers, yeah, the leftovers. Start, call them plumbers and stuff like that. But, we, you know, you, we're not seeing this at the tournament. I think Colin Benjamin is a great example. You know, he played for um, HSV in Hamburg and in Germany for like a decade, I think. Yeah. He's a bit of a legend there uh, with, you know, at a time when they were quite, you know, fairly successful. And he's come back to Namibia and he's worked absolute wonders. And I think this team is, you know, like they have one or two very good players. I would say the two center forwards, the guy who scored, Dion Hotto and Peter Shalimbube. But aside from that, man, it's like they're all guys who play in South Africa, aside from like Brian Yambe and Prince yeah. Chueza. But it's, oh man, it's magical. Like Tunisia were, were awful, but all, all I want to talk about is Namibia because I think it's just, it's it's unbelievable the story of them of them beating it. It's, it's, and, and, it's like, and- and this is the this is the thing that we that we often forget as well in the Afcon. There's always going to be a story like this. Always, I think we're fortunate enough where we have more than one of the more than one of those in, in the Afcon. To be fair, actually, um, I'm personally rooting for them. Like I can't ever lie. I'm person I'm personally rooting for them. Um, but do you think overall? Do you do you see them? Well, it's not three points actually. They probably will be going through. But do you see them? Let me ask a harder question. Do you see them top in the group. I, bro, this group is the is the toughest to call. And mm. I think it's it's one of the top. It may be the one. No, actually, this one's tougher. The one today, I think, is the most exciting group. But it's it's not the toughest to call. I think mm. because also Mali beat South Africa. I think it puts them in this really really tough situation where, yeah. you know, Namibia effectively just need one point now to get through. Which mm-hmm. again, against South Africa, they're going to be hugely motivated. Like I said, most of their players play in South Africa. Peter Shalilule has been the best striker in South African football for the last, you know, five or six years. And Dion Hotto has been one of the best in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so I think there, there's a lot of motivation there to, to, to beat South Africa. So do, do I see them topping the group? No, I don't. I, I, I think they'll struggle to replicate what they did against, mm-hmm. uh, against Tunisia. But, but 
I do think they're going to get out of the group, which I think in of itself is, is just it's a like massive achievement. Genuinely, genuinely insane. Yeah. Um, speaking of the game of that game, though, Mali versus South Africa, uh, Mali beat them and beat them, you know, and I'll be honest with you, South Africa to me looked like the much better side initially and Mali just came into their own. Um, South Africa were playing a lot of, a lot of great football, genuinely, like, it, and it was so confident, a lot of tricks and flicks, um, they were, they were really punching the ball through the lines as well and Mali just seemed to take it all and it's like okay now it's our turn and they really hurt them with it and uh, um not only the probably the best midfielder on the pitch but probably one of the best midfielders in the tournament um it was um Desuma. I think you I think he was great yeah I think like South Africa it's oh, such a frustrating thing because they yeah I don't think they have nearly player for player as good a team as mm. as Mali I think South Africa have you know fairly bang average team but a lot of them play, I think we mentioned it uh, uh, on the last one, is they, they all play for the same team, Mamalodi Sundowns. Yeah. And Mamalodi Sundowns are arguably, in my opinion, one of, if not the most progressive football club on the planet. Like, mm -hmm. if you want to watch kind of Pep-style Man City ball kind of being played on on the African continent, yeah. go watch, go watch them. They've got a similar the manager, Rulani Mokona, like weird nerd guy. Who just wants to talk he's so he's so like Pep. it's so funny like yeah. even the way he moves his hands <laughs> to speak, it, it, honestly it's so funny but and so that's given south africa a huge platform like oh, so many of their, their starting 11 or sundown players or even former sundowns players mm -hmm. like percy Tao. but the one the one thing they miss is a clinical center forward yeah. they miss lyle foster so much um and again peter uh, even percy Tao, when he went up to take a penalty i knew he'd miss because in my he opinion didn't, he didn't look confident Percy Tao is a brilliant player for yeah. me, but he has no composure. Like, put him through on goal, he will miss every time. And I couldn't believe he was taking the penalty. But, yeah, and then I think, like you said, Mali's quality showed. They do. They have really good players. I think they've got a really good coach as well in Eric mm -hmm. Shell. So I think, like, it could have gone either way. And I think that penalty was a huge turning point. But I think that it just blows open this group because, mm -hmm. you know, I think, like I said, this is the hardest group to call. So I think, yeah, I think it set us up really, really nicely. Yeah. Um there's still there's still two more well two more fixtures left of this current round of um current uh, match day but um looking at I suppose the we can suppose we can look ahead to one of the games which are at now um Morocco Tanzania it, I won't say it's a routine win but it technically could be it could technically should be um in, in my opinion of all the fixtures lined up in the first round this is the most routine victory written all over it. Like, yeah. I think Tanzania, you know, I don't want to speak too badly of my, my brothers, my, my Tanzanian brothers, but, you know, they, they're, they've done well to qualify. Yeah. I think, to be honest, they qualified scoring three goals in six games in their qualifiers. Um, there we go. Yeah, they, they, a lot of nil-nil and a couple one-nils, and that's the recipe for success. Whereas this Morocco side, I think they've shown that they can, they can, they struggle to, to break down Deep defense is similar to Algeria, but I just think they have way too much quality. And, and you know, they're one of the favorites. And, in fact, they, they played South Africa in their – Tanzania in their last game and beat them 2-0 in, in Tanzania in Dar es Salaam. So, I think for me, it's – yeah, it's as much as I want my Tanzanian brothers to, to win, I, I don't see it happening. DR Congo, Zambia, this is a very hard one for me to call personally. Um, I'm going to sit on the fence here and let's go for a boring 1-1 draw. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you, this is this is the game I've been excited for for this this whole first round of fixtures. This is my favorite group as well because ignoring Morocco, like yeah, whatever, World Cup semifinals, who cares? 
it's the other three that are fascinating to me because you've got a very, very unique situation where all three are neighbors. And not only are they neighbors, but like there's so much inter kind of move, like movement between the three. There's so much interrelatedness. There's so much kind of cultural and mutually intelligible languages. And there's so much kind of like banter, but also like a little borderline kind of tribalism. Like, you know, in Zambia, I, I was speaking to a Zambian colleague and he was saying stuff that like, if you've, if you've got a car that's like broken or it's been packed really badly and it's like hood is popped up or something, they call it a Congolese car, like stuff like that. Like, and, 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 and so there's, there's a lot of this. And then recently, the last few years in like domestic football, Tanzanian footballs like really surpassed the other two. So you've got a lot of Zambians and Congolese playing in Tanzania. So there's just a lot of that like banter, a lot of kind of connection. And then as well as I think Zambia are the best, or for me, I think are hopefully going to be the best team to watch because They've got an amazing front three of Fashion Sakala, Patsindaka, and Lamek Banda, who all have been playing to, with each other for ages. Like Sakala and Daka, even though they're only like 25, they've been playing with each other for like a decade. All like ludicrously quick. You know, they beat they beat Kotiva 3-0 earlier last year. Like really exciting team, but they can't defend. Terrible at defending. And then Congo is kind of similar. You've got amazing that front line. Team, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Congo was similar. You know, they got great forwards, Teo Bangonda, Jan Wisa, Silas, who's at Stuttgart. Like, but again, it's not a great defense. So for me, like, that's the game. That's the game. That's why I came out here. Like, I had, took, took a five-hour bus ride this morning, left at, like, six in the morning. Not even for the Tanzania-Morocco game, for, for that Zambia-Congo game. That's the game I want to watch. Um, I want to give you three goes at this, and you can tell me who caught your eye. So I will make it hard enough to make you narrow it down to one player. Who caught your eye in general? Players? Players, teams, who? Play, players, Mozambique center midfielder, Gima, was fantastic. A Mozambican guy told me about him. It was like, he's changed our team. He's made us really good. But I'd never seen him before. I'd never watched him play. He's fantastic. Like, if you want to see a great example of watching, like, the second goal they score, it's like yeah. a give and go, third man run, plays it through. Like, oh, it's fantastic. I think he probably player-wise has been the one who's impressed me the most and surprised me the most. I think teens, teens, Cape Verde, like without a doubt, Cape Verde were like They'd so, be mine good as well. so good to watch. Um, yeah, they were, they were so, yeah, I, I loved, I absolutely loved it. And then I, I would say co like coaching-wise, I would say Namibia, I would say, you know, uh, Colin Benjamin because Namibia like outplayed Tunisia. They were so, they, they played so well. They were excellently run team and I, I you know, I know I said I don't think they'll win the group, but I think they're they're going to get through. And I just think I think he's done brilliantly. I think they're they're one of the most exciting teams. Um, biggest disappointments. You're not allowed to say Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> There's all three gone. Um, <laughs> nah, man. Like it wasn't a surprise, but Ghana. Mm -hmm. Like it was maybe a surprise to me that Cape Verde won, but not a surprise that Ghana were disappointing because they are, you know, they have been and they, and they will be disappointed. I think that was for me a huge disappointment. Um, trying to think who, who else has been, has been really disappointing for me in terms of, in terms of, yeah, in terms of players, I would, I would say Alex will be, but, yeah. um, but as, a, as you said, I'm not. No, you can, to be fair. I'm, <laughs> I'm very much, I'm not looking forward to, to the fixture tomorrow. I can't even lie, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, in terms of other teams, yeah, like, again, Shidizia, huge disappointment. Yeah. But again, it wasn't, wasn't surprising, like, really unimaginative team. They play the same way, which is really defensive, which is great when you're playing big teams, like, you know, when they, played against France in the World Cup and they looked really good. But when you're playing against smaller teams that you're expected to dominate and you don't change, like it's just it's 
kind of embarrassing. It's really, really disappointing. Um, and then the other team, I guess I, I would say I was disappointed a little bit by, by Burkina Faso, I think, particularly because they have a huge home support here. They just, I, I was expecting it to be a close game, but I just, I thought they would have more about them. And I really just didn't think they created that much. I thought Mauritania were, were the better team. So I'd say in terms of disappointments, those, those are three. I mean, I didn't even mention Egypt, actually. Egypt, Egypt were huge disappointments. Um, but yeah, but I, I think for me, I'm, I'm more thinking about the, the, the small teams, the positives rather than the big teams. But yeah, actually, Egypt is yeah, were tremendously disappointing. I suppose overall, what would be your 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 view on the use of VAR? Because I think overall, personally, I think they've actually done pretty well so far. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I hate VAR. I don't like it. You know, I, I, I never wanted it. And I hate it even more now that it's been used, particularly in the Premier League. But I, it's it's been great here from what from what I've seen. Obviously, sometimes like there's been a few games where we're in the stadium, we have no idea what's going on with the VAR calls. But from what I've seen from highlights, I think they've all been spot on. Like Egypt's, as much as it pains me to say, it, I think it was a foul, deserved it. Burkina Faso against Mauritania again, like soft, but you, you it makes sense. I can see it given. So actually, I've been really impressed with the way. With the one thing I like about what they do in Afcon and on on the continent that they don't do as much in Europe is. They send the referees to the monitor a lot earlier. Yeah. And and it's not always, you know, in, in the Premier League, if the, if the ref sent to the monitor, you know it's going to be overturned. Yeah. You know it's going to be given or whatever. Whereas here, they send them to the monitor a bit earlier and give them a bit more control over how they decide to do things. Exactly. And yeah. I, I, mean, I really you look, like you look that. At the penalty for Percy Tao yesterday. And, you know, that sort of decision, because initially, all they, all, people, all, they, all they were looking at initially was for something completely different initially yeah. if i remember correctly and then they're like oh okay do you know what? let's have a look at this as well kind of thing and that all happened relatively quickly you know so you're not you're bang on i think I, I'm, I'm i'm really happy with the use of it so far I just you know you just you just hope that it continues in that way so um but i suppose now we're looking at like I said, Morocco versus Tanzania and then Congo, Congo, Zambia. Um, next round of fixtures, obviously the big, big one is Nigeria versus Ivory Coast. But any other fixtures that you're really looking forward to, any ones that you're that you're gonna be attending that you know everyone should be looking sure. out for as well. They're doing me dirty because they've got two games in Abidjan, but yeah. nowhere near each other because okay. you've got the Cote d'Ivoire, the Cote d'Ivoire Nigeria game, and then immediately after that you've got the Egypt Ghana game. Yeah. So I'm I'm still haven't even decided which one I'll go to because I think they're both <laughs> gonna be brilliant. I think there's more at stake at the Egypt Ghana one because yeah. Egypt beat Ghana. That's, that's almost pretty much it. Yeah. Um, whereas I think because Nigeria got that one point, you know, it's still in the balance. Hopefully, there'll be more pressure on them. I, I yeah. really want Equatorial Guinea to beat Guinea Bissau and, and all the pressure to be on the Super Eagles. I think those are the two the two big ones, right? But sure. then, but then there are, there are other really good ones like Senegal, Senegal, Cameroon. Although Cameroon aren't great, you know, they do show up at tournaments. I think that I think they'll be good. I think um, that's going to be a barnstormer. I think you know. I think yeah. I think a lot. I think a lot of the time as well. Pride plays a big part. People people underestimate like how much of, of that can affect your performance as well. Just you know, you play with that extra ten percent because you're thinking we have to we have to do these lot because they're this or they're that kind of thing, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one for sure as well. Um but yeah, I won't keep you for too much long because I know the game started already. I want to watch it. Obviously, you're there. So um thanks again, I suppose. Um having your host coach. Um this has been Alistair. For SPS and on on the whistle. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. I just me, I feel amazing.
And you're so special, it's the occasion And the pop champagne like it's a celebration All across the nation, are you Show. I'm in.